you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Hey, everyone. This is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third-row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store. Absolute desperation moment. Rodgers gets it the other way. He's thrown down. But got a flag. The game's not over. Grabbed him by the face mask. Rodgers in trouble. It's going to get there. In the end zone. It is caught for the win. Richard Rodgers with a walk-off touchdown. A game ender for the Packers. Game ender for the Packers, a game that we will never forget. I mean, that is one of the all-time finishers in NFL history. Aaron Rodgers to his brother Richard to win the game. We could have an entire podcast about just that play. Because really, we there's, a, there's one podcast to talk about five or six minutes about the first 59 minutes and 54 seconds of the game. And then we could just... Really talk about the last six seconds. That's all that matters. I'm Greg Rosenthal here with Chris Wesseling. We're talking about the Thursday night Packers victory over the Lions, and then we will get to Dan Hansis and Mark Sessler and Andrew Siciliano and all the games. But, Wes, what went through your mind when you saw that? Well, that's true that it changed everything. It changed what we were going to write, but nobody wants to hear about that. It changes the fact that the Lions could have swept the rest of the season, run the table, and gone 9-7, and seven, and you could – conceivably see them as a wild card team and now it's hard to picture that at eight and eight not gonna happen and the Packers seem to be free falling out of the postseason picture or at least to the periphery of it with a chance to free fall even farther and now it looks like they're set for another playoff run you don't know if this will be a catalyst towards the Packers offense solving some things or not but but that doesn't matter they're eight and four now. They are a much, much safer bet to make the playoffs. I think if they fell to seven and five 
after this loss. Then you start worrying about if they could fall right out. Now they could be in first place by the end of the weekend. And, I mean, Aaron Rodgers called it the greatest game he's been a part of since the Super Bowl. So he's not just talking about that play, which just had to have been an unbelievable high for him, but also the 20 to nothing comeback. I mean, if you had told me when the Packers were getting the ball with about nine minutes left in the third quarter that they were going to win that game, it was 20 to nothing at that point. But but even that all that all this feels like prelude though cuz really the whole game was the last 6 seconds. Yeah, well, back to that 20 to nothing deficit. It's not just that he overcame that, but how much was stacked against him with most of the second half four of his offensive linemen out. Yep. Uh the receivers still can't separate. The play calling never opens up a wide receiver for him. It relies on him to extend every play. And no running game. Eddie Lacy disappears once again. Everything stacked against Aaron Rodgers. Hits Devontae Adams with a perfect tight window throw. Scrambles for 17 yards for another touchdown. And then people can argue about that face mask. It clearly, the rule says no player shall twist, turn, or pull the face mask of an opponent in any direction. It was clearly pulled and twisted. So I disagree. I think when you watch that play, in I'm slow, watching it now in fast motion. But no, slow they, motion. They, that's in super slow motion. The rule says in real time, it looked like a, a face mask, too. I think Dean Blandino. So the play you're talking about, Devin Taylor hits Aaron Rodgers in the face mask to, you know, and of course, you guys probably watch the game and have seen this play at the time that Aaron Rodgers gets pulled by his face mask. He has about 70 yards and 11 Detroit Lions to beat, and time has expired. That's how much the game is over. The thumb hits Rodgers in the face mask. I don't think he grasps it at all. Just kind of hits it. It doesn't. I'm, you I'm it, reading you, you the rules. It doesn't say grasp. No player shall twist, turn, or pull. He clearly twists and turns it. Rodgers' head jerks to the side with the base of a thumb in the corner of the face mask, pulling it to the side. That's a penalty. We'll, we'll agree to disagree, and I think that – Dean Blandino's statement was telling. Right after the game, he sent out a Twitter. He said, hand up to the mask, quick grab with finger, and head gets turned. At full speed, official is going to make that call almost every time. And I think that's totally fair. It was an understandable call. It will be made almost every time. He was not saying it was the correct call. He was saying in that situation, you're not going to. I don't care if he was saying it. It is. It clearly is. You can see it. And it was if, a difficult if fans th- have an expectation that what they see on slow motion can also be translated to real time by a referee, they're delusional. Right. You can't. Fans cannot have that expectation. Right. I think it, it definitely looked different in in slow motion. Slow motion, but that that's all almost beside the point. the The reality is they were seventy nine yards away with six seconds to go. That. That game was over. They got the ball back with 23 seconds left. My lead for the article was going to be Matthew Stafford and the Detroit Lions defense playing very complimentary. And the biggest play of the game until that point was Matthew Stafford's third and long to a receiver we've never heard about through a non-existent window to burn some clock off, and it appeared to end the game. The Packers get the ball back with 23 seconds left, a couple incompletions, and they have 79 yards to go. With six seconds left. They do the desperation lateral thing even. Right. And they win the game. That's what I mean. Richard Rodgers is the one who threw the ball to Aaron Rodgers, which at the time looked like an insane lateral because there was no one behind Aaron Rodgers anymore. I mean, Richard Rodgers threw it about 20 yards back. Aaron Rodgers, if he looked behind him, there's no more Packers left. So the the game is over at that point. 
and then Aaron Rodgers to pull off this play, and it's not a total fluke. Escapes a sack from Jason Jones first. Right. Then rolls out <laughs> and uncorks a beautiful 61-yard pass. I, w- I was looking forward to that because I was thinking if, if anyone can throw a, a beautiful Hail Mary, it's Aaron Rodgers. And, you know, Phil Simms pointed out that the height on it really made the difference. And you wrote the post about Richard Rodgers, who came on the NFL Network set after the game, and he had, a, he had a great nugget for them. He had a great nugget, which reminded me immediately of Brandon Bostic last year in the NFC title game, admitted afterwards, I was supposed to block for Jordy Nelson. Mm. Richard Rodgers says, I was supposed to box out for Devontae Adams. As soon as I saw the ball released from Aaron Rodgers' hands, I knew I had a chance to catch it. So he deviated from his assignment, and it worked. It worked, and and great athleticism by Richard Rodgers. I mean, that was a clean, nice jumping catch. There was really nothing sneaky about that. He made the right choice not to let Devontae Adams try to catch it. And the crazy thing is that his dad, or one crazy thing is that his dad, for his whole life, he has heard about the Stanford band play. And Which is such a famous play that it's known as the play. Right. It's known as the play. And now his son, Richard Rogers, has an even more prominent role in what in a play that maybe it doesn't go down with the Stanford band play. But it's in Wisconsin, it will. It's going to go down as one of the great endings of all time. And my immediate thought when this happened, like a lot of other people, I assume was, well, this is payback for the fail Mary, because that's the other craziest ending I've ever uh, been writing about for NFL.com when it happened. And in the second it happened, I just knew that's that's all anyone's going to be talking about. I don't think I've ever seen a Hail Mary touchdown of that length. No, I never have in the NFL. It's it's the exact same length of Doug Flutie's touchdown, the famous 1984 one, but I'm not sure I've seen that in the NFL. And it happens by a guy who's the reigning MVP and against a franchise who has had some of the worst things happen to them. I mean, and just when they were believing something that seemed impossible, that they were going to win their fourth straight game, that they looked like one of the best teams in the league, that they maybe could run the table for that to happen in their home stadium is about as devastating a loss as you could possibly have. It could change two coaching outlooks too. That I think the way this game went, that Tom Clements would have come under a lot of fire and Mike McCarthy would have had a lot of pressure to take play calling duties again because the Packers were doing things they've never done in the Aaron Rodgers era, going through droughts they haven't experienced mm. in 20 years. And then on the other side, Jim Caldwell might not get out uh, get out of jail free card now. That's it's absolutely true. I could talk about this one forever, but we should get to the rest of the week. 12 games we're in. Wow, deep into the week season. 13. Week th- 13 wow. games. I knew I knew I messed it up there. Week 13 games. Uh it, it's an amazing start to the week. The fact that they followed the Browns finish with this finish. What's next? Who knows? Let's send it over to Dan and find out. The Around the NFL podcast. Still thinks about the gold standard sometimes. Each time the wind blows. <laughs> Welcome back to another edition of the Around the NFL podcast. My name is Dan Hansis, and I'm joined by a room filled with heroes, Mark Sessler, Chris Wessling, and Greg Rosenthal. What's up, boys? Hey, Dan. That's true. I mean, we do. gold standard um, – when one day we're going to put his name, it's going to go up in the rafters as one of the great producers in the history of the Around the NFL podcast. But at the same time, 
let's just say what say it like it is. Sydney is killing it behind the glass in the couple. What has it been? About six weeks now. Uh, you've been with us, uh, six full time producer. It's July. been like four months, <laughs> but as like the full time like behind the glass uh, person. Brandon left uh, in October, early October. So what would that be? Yeah, two yeah. months. Oh, I nailed it. So I think that uh, Sydney and Gold Standard would be fast friends. There's a lot of. Uh, shared qualities. There. I disagree. I think, that's what, I think you, they you would don't be think they bitter would. enemies. <laughs> Gold I don't Standard see hates that, Disneyland. Well, I don't know that. Well, that's we don't know that at Gold all. Gold Standard doesn't hate anything. Uh, he hates bad soccer. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I don't Zach think Goldman, that, you know. wherever you are in the world right now. Uh, well, I don't we love like you, soccer, so maybe mm. that would. There be. you well, go. You'd, right you'd there. Be, uh, you'd be out at the pub. Talk straight off. Talk about going in the rafters. A Matt Money Smith delivery on these intros are getting better and better. <laughs> I, I even like to think there was a little uh, Michael Jackson ballad at the end of that. A, a I lot just of can't stop loving it. The shadowy league figures keep on getting in tighter on me when it comes to what we can use with music. We might be in trouble for that. I got to check downstairs after this. Sydney, watch out. I'll be on my best lookout for e- that. Expect like I'll three different. it with my last breath. Expect three different meetings all saying the same thing. <laughs> or <laughs> different thing. Uh, yes, this is the uh Thursday preview, uh, special preview edition of the Around the NFL podcast. Of course, you heard at the top of the show, uh, Greg Rosenthal and Chris Wessling, the A-team. Is that accurate, Mark? Yeah, I mean, typically. (laughs) Yes. Uh, Gave you a recap of Thursday night football between the Green Bay Packers and Detroit Lions at Ford Field. Uh, Our job now is to tell you about the rest of the games. And let me tell you something. 32 teams. Doom teams played, 30 teams, 15 games, no buys. Yes or no, Greg? Means no let up in this show. 15 games to crank through. <laughs> we're gonna. We're gonna. I'm already exhausted it. thinking about it. Oh yeah. Uh. So yeah. So I I've get, been working out. Really? Just for well, this show. No. You've never been to a have gym you, before, right? Have you now lifted a weight in your life? I've never really lifted weights, no. Hmm. But you know. Got a runner's other, body. Other ways to be in shape. Sure. Swimming? Do I don't swim really a lot? do that. No, I'm not really a swimmer. Yoga? Hot no. yoga? No, I run. Yogging? I'm not really buying Greg's story. <laughs> Borrow uh, Sessler's PS90. It doesn't even make sense. Being in shape would not help you get through two more games. I'm taking a vacation halfway through this podcast. <laughs> well, that's fine. We'll, we'll carry on, Wes, if you just want to go like face down on the table about halfway through because we've got a lot to get to. Uh, Andrew Siciliano is going to drop by. Uh, he hasn't uh, been here in a couple weeks. His producer came on the show, uh, Burger, last week. Uh, so you knew Andrew was going to be close behind to make sure he establishes the status quo as it should be. Talent first, behind the what they call behind the uh, below the liners. Mm. Is what they're called, you know. Put them back in their place. That's the way uh, true talent looks at things. Damashek taught me that. <laughs> he taught you a <laughs> lot of things. Uh, so yeah, why don't we uh, why don't we get to the games? We have so much to get to. Um, so let's start with the one p.m. games. Is that okay, Greg? Please. Why wouldn't Why wouldn't you still doing that other podcast? <laughs> the uh, Jesselnick and uh, Rosenthal Vanity Project. Or flip the names there, I guess. But, yeah, everyone should download it if you like this show. You're Did you have an episode too. canceled? Well, you'll, you'll have to listen in and oh. see sounds, what happens. Uh, yeah, sounds a little it contrived. Got, it got squashed. <laughs> really? No, you just he just took the week off, and he's trying to sell the audience that the show got squashed. Who of the two of you? Isn't that what happened? Who of no. the two of you is really? more vain, you or Jeselnik? Mm. 
Oh, Jasselnik. Sure. Wait, did you actually get? I'm not even the most vain person in this room. Not even close. Wait, what <laughs> well, is, that's where's that going? Wait, well, wait, <laughs> you're saying that yourself. I mean, you Greg's know. on. on you're like dead last right. in the common man rankings. Wait, well, I'm being man serious. Is different, now. different than being uh, vain. Hmm. I'm being serious now. Did you actually have an episode that got completely got squashed? Deep sixed. Got squashed. What was the subject matter? Well, why? Why could I talk about that now? Well, why not? Because then that would be deep sixth. Wow, it must have been pretty graphic. All right, let's get to the games. <laughs> Greg, uncomfortable talking about it, just trying to set up a, a you know a little bit of a plug that he's not taking it. He's not taking the bait. Well, it's on Greg. <laughs> we got enough plug. It got very strange in here. I know. We I still have 15 so games to no get to. Strange energy in the room. You know, first we had last week's show or the last show. We had the Greg's I'm trying to fix the light, light in my thing. That's He's like. <laughs> Greg, looking to doom the program. Here, let me help you. It's all right. Okay. <laughs> Yesterday, you did, last show, you didn't like that I was talking about hot butts. Yeah. Now I'm trying to plug, and you know. You know I think we know by now. Tension here. People want hot butts. I mean, we've been heard a lot on Twitter. They were they loved it. Well, yeah, someone made a website, <laughs> hotbutts.com. Yeah, I can't believe it wasn't taken. I am shocked. I well, maybe the Z at the end. I wouldn't but. click on that. <laughs> all right, let's get into it. Start with the 1 p.m. games, the Houston Texans. Uh, dare I say, uh, the hottest team in football, not not called the Carolina Panthers. Oh, Panthers fans, relax. Jeez, you guys are a touchy bunch. Uh, but the Texans <laughs> are playing great football. Now 6-5, and five, tied for first in the AFC South. Defense playing as well as any unit in the league right now. They travel to Buffalo. I love this game. I think this is a very good game uh, for this reason, guys. I think uh, the, the, the Bills, the one thing we've learned about them is while they are ha- definitely a flawed team, they are also a team that on any given week can play like the team they were the best case scenario back in August they could have been. They have that gear to them. I think they're that's going to come out. And the Texans are going down. Wes, you disagree with me. Tell me why. I have entirely bought in on the Texans. This is the best defense in the NFL, allowing 8.8 points per game over the last month, 250 yards, the best marks in the league over that span. J.J. Watt, Jadevian Clowney, Whitney Merciless. Their secondary is playing lights out with Kevin Johnson, the rookie in the lineup. And then on offense, as Greg pointed out last week, Bill O'Brien has gone innovative and creative. He did it because how are you going to move the ball with T.J. Yates as your quarterback? And now with Hoyer in there, they kept a lot of that wildcat. They promoted a guy named Keem Hunt off the practice squad, runs about a 4-3-5-40. They give him the ball four or five times a game in creative ways. And they're finding ways to move the ball and really, Romeo Cornell's defense is playing lights out. I think they're going to go into Buffalo and show Rex what a dominant defense really is. Oofa. Greg. It, they're deeper. I mean, you said Kevin Johnson. That's as good a trio of cornerbacks as any in the league right now. The way Jonathan Joseph Johnson uh, and Kareem Jackson are playing. Uh, Bernardrick McKinney has been making plays for them. He's at, calling the plays. At linebacker. They're just tough to get through in terms of all levels of their defense. All With all that said... I agree with Dan. I think the Bills are capable of winning this game, absolutely. I mean, they have plenty of talent. They Their offense can come and go a little bit. It's really the defense that I'm more worried about. I mean, the Buffalo's offense is at its best when they are running the ball well, and they've done that in many games this year. But, Wes, you nailed The Texans' run defense, especially last month and a half, is shutting teams down to like 70, 72 yards per game. And nothing is more embarrassing if you're Rex Ryan – then after all the hubaloo about your exotic blitz schemes. Kubalaba. Kubalaba. Kubalaba-loo. You have 10 Hubba-loo-loo. sacks if you're the Bills' defense 
That is less than J.J. Watt, the entire Buffalo defense. And this comes – It wasn't supposed to be that way. No, this comes with a personnel that set a franchise record in sacks two years ago with Mike Pettin and led the league last season under Jim Schwartz. In comes Rex Ryan. Everyone's billing this guy as some defensive mastermind. Ten sacks. Outrageous. So fired up about Rex Ryan. I think right, right now in week 13, the Texans are as good as any team in the AFC. That is an interesting call, Wes. They are a team to keep an eye on uh, as far as picks this game. Uh, I disagree so much. You have to believe in Brian Hoyer if you say that. Because of the offense, because of Hoyer. He's managed it well, but we always overrate the team that just played the Saints. It happened every week. Okay, they beat the Bengals, who are 9-2. They beat the Jets, who are 6-5. I mean, the, the Patriots... I'm not saying in January the Patriots won't be much better, but as they're currently comprised, I'm not sure they're much better. I would than still the take the Broncos and the Bengals. I know they beat the Bengals, but that, that's just one week. Just the running backs, the quarterback. You have DeAndre Hopkins, which is incredible, but it's not enough. Well, scientists, the good thing about football is we're going to find out in about a month. <laughs> we all picked the Bills with the exception wow. of – no, Wessling and Patrick actually picked the Texans. So mm. uh, Patrick and Wessling also won two in the picks as we come down the home stretch. Maybe so this, should be copying off of us. This could be yes, this could be a huge matchup, a swing matchup as H- Hansis and Sessler tied for third place. The Renegade or buried in the back end, and more. By the way, a little teaser: more wild Renegade picks from Connor. How Orr far back week. are you of Kevin? Uh, we are about nine, ten back. Uh, we are I'm nine two. back. That, that's over. Wes Stick. is. I'm two back. Too bad. I'm not allowed. To I was comment. 17 back at one point. Stick a fork in it though. Five weeks, too many people. Nine Greg, games. come on, man. I'm just out to come beat on, Dan. I just, I just, Dan is my season. You, you should be happy that I stuck a fork in you. We've stuck forks oh. in three teams that are currently in the playoffs. I just don't like you talking about the picks, man. <laughs> you quit on us, bro. Like Brett Favre quit on the Packers. I watched that timeline. No. <laughs> it's he read, he NFL read. Network's answer to 30 for 30, I believe. Uh, very good. Uh, debuted after Thursday Night Football. You should check that out. Good plug. Thank you, professional Zeuser. Moving on, the San Francisco 49ers uh, travel to Soldier Soldier Field to face the Chicago Bears. Uh, this is a 5-6 and six team uh, for the, the Bears. But, you know, clinging to life in the NFC playoff picture, absolutely have to have it. Uh, against the 49ers, who have been better with Blaine Gabbert, uh, surprisingly, uh, than they were with Colin Kaepernick. But still, uh, the Bears have to have it. But, Mark, I'll say this. A couple of weeks ago, I remember the Bears being in a similar situation. I'm, I'm kind of blanking on who that team was, where it's like a had-to-have-it game, you know, get grown, and they blew the game. Are they going to take care of uh, business this time? I think they will. I mean, I only buy the 49ers when they're at home because they've been a completely different team at home. I don't know why that is. That's, that doesn't speak a lot about any team when that's the situation. But Chicago is getting the best season we've seen from Jay Cutler in a long time. It's changed my opinion of in him to some years. degree. Well, all right, the Tressman year was, was good, but I think he's making better decisions right now. You could say Josh McCown outplayed McCown, um, Cutler that season. You could say it because it happened. There you right. go. I mean, I just think this Bears offense and, and the Bears in general, going into the year, I thought this is the most boring team in sports potentially, and they might go 1-15, <laughs> and, and it's not true. And I think Vic Fangio is one guy that wants to lay a hurt on San Francisco. Love that coordinator heat with Mark Sessler. Well, I think he's going to do it, too. I mean, they don't have a lot of big names on defense, but the, the the 49ers cannot run the ball, and it comes down to stopping Blaine Gabbert. It can be done. We talked about uh, coaches on the hot seat in our, our previous show, some hot butt talk. Uh, Jim Tom Sula didn't come up 
But he probably has to win a couple games, Greg, right, to be safe here. A 3-13 and I don't think would cut it. That's what I thought. Um, Ian Rappaport, we were just chatting about it. He, he tended to believe that Tom you, Sula is, in. is a lot more safe than we would imagine. That is it because they put their butt on a line for him? I guess, but, but they also put it on the line for Trent Baalke. They're saying this is his organization, and I think there's some thought around that team that they might get rid of Balky after this year. I don't trust that ownership group to stay the course or to not get distracted by whatever shiny coaches out there at all. So I think if they ended the season really ugly, I, it wouldn't shock me if they made big changes. But they're not playing ugly right now. They're they're playing competitive. I mean, they're. I don't think they're cashing in games. I mean, they're winning some games. They're competing with the Seahawks. Lane Gabbert's fun to watch. Gabbert's, I'm excited about him. Gabbert's wow. pretty, I really am. That, Gabbert's pretty that's fun amazing to watch. To like, say that. A, they're not that. They're He's a little a better than they were early in the year. If they can get in like a bootleg offense in there, he'd be perfect for that. And Shane Drone was not terrible last week. No, he, he helped on the ground. He caught passes. I just think there's not a lot of talent in San one, Francisco, but. Gavis One more guy, guy, their first-round pick, Eric Armstead, is playing really well the last couple of weeks. Sean Drone was the first running back in the entire league this year to play every snap of a game last week, and he's looked like a competent guy. And the, Not nothing great, but Cut by Cleveland. Nice job. And the other thing about Jim Tomsul is, you know, I thought he was put in, a, in an almost impossible situation this season. He almost, he, you know, as long as this team is playing hard and, and they're competitive, he's, he deserves another year to really start to build something there. It wouldn't be fair if they dumped him after giving him such a tough task. We'll see what happens. We all think the Bears are going to win this game, but we'll see about that. It's a tough matchup for, for Gabbert. Fangio, they didn't win in Green Bay because of their offense. They scored 17 points and didn't score the entire fourth quarter. The Packers, I think, had five possessions in the fourth quarter, and they couldn't get one single touchdown. The coach that turns Tracy Porter back into a quality starting cornerback right. is a coach that's a, it's pretty damn good. Moving on. Uh, the Cincinnati Bengals got back in the win column uh, and moved to 9-2 and with an easy win over the Rams. They now head to Cleveland to face a Browns team that has to be just gutted after what happened on Monday night. Of course, of course, it was the now infamous in Cleveland lore. Um, what, what was it called? It was a it has a name. Kick six. It was like a, a kickoff. There's so many names off. to Browns losses at this point. It was point. a blocked field goal run back kick for six. a touchdown as, uh, as time expired. What was it? Kick six. Kick six. There the block is. off? But that <laughs> was the same thing as the Alabama play a couple of years ago. Yeah. People just copied it. Um, so, yes, a crushing defeat. But, again, you know what? The Browns are playing hard for Mike Pettin. They're not getting any results. Now 2-14 and 14 in their last 16 games uh, dating back to last season. And now they get the Bengals. Mm. We uh, keep saying that, but isn't it 2-15? and 15? I guess there's no point in me pointing. Well, it is 2-15. and 15. Well, right. oh, I guess that people just like – Bang of the number 16 there. Uh, Chris Wessling, uh, I don't know if we're going to see Tyler Eifert in this game for the Bengals. Will it matter? No, no. The Bengals, I mean, we they lost to the Texans when nobody thought the Texans were good now that we know they're good. So their two losses are against True. a really good Houston team and on the road against Arizona, which is one of the best teams in the NFL. The Bengals are phenomenal, and Jeremy Hill is coming off his best game of the season. They're getting stronger. Yeah, you don't need Eifert and – you know, anyone that's suffered through watching Browns games this year, you can run the ball all day long on this team. They're out of position on too many plays every single game. There's wide open holes, and you've got way more weapons than Cleveland does functional players in the secondary. I don't see this as even being a close game. No, if you could put money or ever predict 
that a Golston was on the way. And for new fans of the show, a Golston is our statistical term for when a team does not have a QB hit or a sack. Some people call it a dirty Peter, but you know. that's true. That was the other name. <laughs> that was, I think, some got some votes. Uh, if there ever there was a game, there's going to be a Golston. It's Browns trying to go up against this Bengals offensive line, which is really playing well and is the key, I think, to everything they do. Yeah, and Cleveland's their own worst enemy. If you, they have only you have to go back to 2012 when they played the same quarterback in both games against Cincinnati. Marvin Lewis has faced, I think it's 15 different Browns quarterbacks during his tenure with the team, which speaks to absolute dysfunction. And now you're rolling Austin Davis out. And I think Austin Davis did an adequate job on Monday night. But again, it's someone that has no chemistry and very few snaps with the players around him. And you're in December. Terrible job. By the Brown, as usual. Well, they're sticking you know, to their guns. Whether sticking like to their it or guns, not. it's absolutely ridiculous. We said it. We were in the the huddle, the work commissary here uh, two days ago, and we were all in agreement that th- what Manziel did, whether it was lying to the team or you know clubbing on on the bye week, you know, okay, we understood that he got disciplined for it. And but what happened on Monday night, having to be benched for that game, which was, you know, such a a great game to want to be a part of. And even McCown gets hurt and he had a chance to go in there and be the hero. Instead, you just had 100 sideline shots of him looking like a stiff. That was enough punishment. But instead, whatever's going on in that building, whether it's the front office or the coach, uh, you know, getting a little too tough, they have they have blown this as much as you can. And they're just going to send Menzel out of town apparently now and not know whether he'll ever get back on his feet or whether he's any good. And they're just going to roll the dice. I hate this move. I think hate it. I think he'll start again. And I hope I'm wrong. Because my sandwich proposition that said Austin Davis is going to start more games than Johnny Manziel is like the Rudy of sandwich propositions. <laughs> People said it couldn't be done. It looked all the uh, way but dead. And then in comes Austin Davis, that big touchdown. Unfortunately, Manziel already started three games. So there's five games left of the season. I really need Austin Davis to run the table here to take oh, it's the possible. lead. Which I feel like is... I feel like it's unlikely. I feel like more it's more likely that Johnny Manziel does get back in there. But it wouldn't it be great? This is something America can really rally behind. I America? Me and like Austin Davis, two little guys that's an underdog. It sounds like it's about you. <laughs> Do we have an it's about me, Greg Rosenthal drop? Austin Davis is like it's seven about inches me. taller than Greg. <laughs> By the it way, is. now we do. The... Uh, <laughs> The Rudy. No one will be able to tell the difference, man. Can you turn off so the, the light on that? I can do it for you. <laughs> Greg's, Greg's cell phone, and currently he has the the uh, the flashlight <laughs> device open, and it's been on for 30 minutes. He won't let minutes. me help him. I like know how to do it. a thousand sons. By the way, the ultimate Rudy go get your lunch was last year when I said Case Keenan would start more games than Ryan Mallett. Case Keenan was out of the league for like 15 games That's last true. year. And then he That's got signed true. randomly to Houston and started a game. That's true. You That's didn't. It's fair, dog. Yeah, but that was Rudy. Rudy didn't win either. Rudy was just a scrub. Great analogy, then. Uh, all right, moving on. We all would. Would you guys surprised if I told you that uh, Connor uh, took the Browns? Yes. Well, he didn't do it. We all took the Bengals. <laughs> moving on, uh, the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, yes, they were the team that was on the winning side, of course, of the kick six, as it is now known in NFL lore. I guess. Is it the blocked kick six? I, I don't know. know. That, does, that does not exactly roll off the tongue. Uh, they head to Miami now to, to face a corpse Dolphin team that fou- that fired uh, Bill Lazor, uh, replaced him with one of uh, Tannehill's cronies from his Texas A&M days, uh, Zach, Zach Taylor. Is that the guy in Hanson? Right. 
Okay. And uh, <laughs> now uh, they are going to attempt to allow Ryan Tannehill. And I, I thought it was very telling in the news um, uh, yesterday's uh, Miami Herald. I think I saw it in a couple other places. Tannehill openly speaking about how he's really looking forward to the bright horizon in Miami now that he'll have some input on the offense and the ability to audible out of plays. It's kind of remarkable to me that in 2015, a $96 million quarterback was that handcuffed in an office. But that, Wes, is what was happening uh, in Miami. Now they get Baltimore at home. What a thankless individual Ryan Tannehill is. Mm. Bill Lazor gets him a $96 million contract. <laughs> he played the best three Ooh. months of Tannehill's career happened under Lazor's watch in a gimmick offense. And he basically kicks him out the door and dances on his grave. He certainly did. I mean, you could have uh, done a little jock speak and, and danced around it a little bit. But Tannehill basically just outright said it, that he feels like he's in a much better place now with laser fired. Well, great. Enjoy your five games with Zach Taylor because they're <laughs> going to have a new – I mean, seriously, they're going to have a new coach next year. So that's why this whole move – on some level didn't make any sense. But I guess the only way it makes sense is if you're twisted enough, and they are, to believe, hey, we're not out of it yet. We're two games out of the playoffs. This is our only chance for, you know, 30 different guys who are on the staff to keep their jobs next year is win five straight and make the playoffs. They still think they have a chance to do that. That's the only reason why you make that move. They're playing the right opponent because their coach convinced the Ravens two weeks ago that they're in the playoff team. (laughs) I disagree, by the way. I know it's tricky, uh, you know, an offensive coordinator um, sticking around, but they have so much invested in Tannehill and jobs are on the line. I think even if you're, you're not keeping Dan Campbell, which I imagine they're not, if Tannehill plays really well with Taylor uh, leading the way and he spe- and he talks up Taylor, which wouldn't surprise me because their history together, I wouldn't be shocked if, if he was on the staff of whoever was the coach next year. I think these games mean something beyond just but, making a playoff. But then I mean, you're limiting who you're hiring I, I get Zach that. Taylor. But I, I can also see with a Mike Tannenbaum team that that being part of the conversation. Well, I don't like that dynamic at all because if you're Miami, the only reason that you made all these moves was, in theory, because you're a nice warm-weather city that attracts big names, to go out and get that big-name coach, and you can't tell them, oh, by the way, you have to keep A or B as your coordinator. Fergie's a big Zach Taylor fan. They never get their man anyway. Yeah, there's nothing well, more overrated true. than the, like, Miami is going to get us great, especially coaches. Well, it I mean, got look, him Jimmy Johnson, but that's decades ago. Right. Now it's now it's been Joe Philbin and uh, – Cam Cameron. Well, that'd, that'd be a that'd be a yeah, fun. I mean, the party. owner will fly his helicopter all around the country. He just doesn't come back with anyone. <laughs> I like the idea of the owner front flying like a rinky dink helicopter like across America in search of the next stop. Well, he's not. Guy. He doesn't know how to fly anything. Who is the so, guy so. in Ducktales who was the helicopter pilot? What? Wow, that's a deep dive. <laughs> on that Ducktales Scrooge us. McDuck? Or no, what it was no. like uh, he had a really weird name. And he would always crash the helicopter. Probably ended in duck. Co- Copter Mc uh, helicopter. Something like that. It had a Mick in it, I think. What was? Why did your? Uh, why did the Jezenek show get canceled uh, last week? Mm. What happened? I can't. I can't say, speak about it. I've been told. Can you speak around it? Can yeah. you give us? No, any, I've been can told you, by NFL media if we want to continue to just shut up about it. Did you this know, come from the top, or did it come from the middle? Well, middle top. I mean, we were told in a high level meeting just don't get on anyone's radar as a podcast. So you guys have violated the number one rule of staying on the air. You're just on everyone's radar now. It's a catch-22. You have to stay so small, you can't stay on anyone's ra- get on anyone's radar. It's true. It's, but a, you it's can't, quite a balance. You can't uh, ever get you know further ahead in the company if you're not on anyone's radar. Uh, Tricky. It's yes. ugly. Launchpad McQuack. 
Thank you, Wes. An able flyer, launch pads can scarcely set a plane down without a massive crash. I like that you're 42 and that show came out in the 90s and you're real plugged don't, in. Don't age me. I'm only 41. Oh, I'm apologizing. This is where Wes. My little brothers watched it relentlessly. Oh, okay. I for, yeah, because you're the second oldest, right? Yes. All right, let's move on. The Seattle Seahawks, <laughs> uh, big win over the Steelers in their building uh, this past Sunday. And now they travel to Minnesota. This um, is, dare I say, the game of the week. Well, they never turn out to be, but in, beforehand, sure. <laughs> okay. Well, no, uh, right? Am I wrong? It's like this is no, a game that will be like thirty-five-seven. Well, how about the how about Cardinals Bengals? How about Sunday night? How Broncos, about uh, Cardinals Seahawks? Patriots. How about Patriots Broncos? We've had some good games of the week. Mark, your cynicism week. isn't welcome here. Okay. Patriots Broncos just last week. Baby. Maybe it's not West, but it's me that will sit the second half of the show <laughs> out. I've heard enough. All right. So the Vikings, yes, they are all alone again atop the NFC North. At eight and three, and here, but here is another big test for this team. And uh, you know, I'm sure the the subreddit is uh, they've turned up the volumes on their transistor radios. <laughs> what is going to come out of the mouths of the around the NFL team, and specifically Chris Wessling, the number one enemy, the Joker to their Batman? Uh, this is a team that had a chance to really take control of the division uh, two weeks ago against the Packers at home. Couldn't get the job done. Now here's another test at home against the back-to-back. Uh, defending conference champions, Chris Wessling. Are the Vikings going to take care of business and hold on to first place and send a message to everyone straight from subreddit? You give subreddit way too much credit calling them Batman. They're more like a hobbit. Oh. (laughs) Fire. Shots fired. Well, I hope the Vikings win a game this this week because it would be the first time they beat a good team all year. So this will be a test for them. They are a good team. They've held 9 of 11 opponents under 20 points. That is great defense. I want to see it. I think the Vikings are a good team. I want to see if they're a NFC North champion kind of team because they will finally beat a good team this week. I think they're going to win, and wow. I, I really do. I think this will be the time. Mark has been intimidated by the subreddit. That's my theory. Back-to-back picks with them, though. Three well, weeks. Well, but I've been correct. Well, I mean, not, part not of it is – the Packers, you weren't. Well, you're right. <laughs> I'm sorry. But this Go time ahead. I'm going to be right. Dan's theory is completely wrong, by the way. <laughs> I don't care at all about subreddit or whatever it is, their message board. I mean, I think what they're all – Their little message Well, board. what Vikings – I have a very good friend who's a Vikings fan, and basically I think they feel overlooked at this point in the season. And if you're a Vikings uh. fan – it's fine to feel that way. I don't have a I have a with friend that. that is also a Vikings fan who sends me nasty texts. Uh, maybe it's a fan base thing, not just the subreddit, but feels the same way that the media should be seeing Adrian Peterson right. as an MVP candidate, that they should be t- seen as a superpower in the NFC. I just need to see more. People need to get over the media doesn't pay enough attention to us bit. And I used to be like this too. I'm not, it's a natural thing, but it's the dumbest thing in fandom that there is. How come the media doesn't give us more credit? Like, why aren't they talking? Like, what does that matter to you? But it does matter. It doesn't matter to you, but I think it matters. You're on the media side of it at this point. Fans probably in the season like this, they aren't thinking from that angle. They just feel disrespected, and they're probably hearing the players saying we're disrespected. And so you want to change the I'm saying enjoy time. your team. Focus on the well, positive. But, you know, there are, you want to do it, then go out and stamp the Seahawks at home. You want to be – Exactly. This is, they have to do Tell, it. You have to do this because otherwise you've lost to Green Bay in Seattle in, the, in less than a month. And it is hard to take that team seriously if you can't take care of business. Especially at home, and I don't think they're going to, and it wouldn't surprise me if Seattle won this game convincingly because I think Seattle 
is turning the corner. And we're still talking about them as a team that's struggling. They've won four out of five games. They won a game where Russell Wilson didn't get outside the pocket at all. They scored 39 points on the Steelers. I think it's a very – Go ahead. I, I just think it's a very good sign that they can win a game where their defense – has a, a poor performance at home. It reminds me a little bit of how they were playing at the end of the 2012 season when you didn't know when the Seattle offense was going to drop 35 on you. Take a look at Seattle's uh, schedule, by the way, after this game. I did the uh, NFC playoff uh, picture look back uh, earlier this week, and if they can get by um, Minnesota uh, this week, let me just take a look at this again. Uh, the next three weeks, they feature they have matchups against the Ravens, Browns, and Rams. That's a combined ten and twenty-three. Mm. Those three teams, and then a Week Seventeen matchup against the Cardinals, but a Cardinals team that conceivably can be resting starters. Do not be surprised if a month from now the Seahawks are ten and six or eleven and five. I will not be surprised. I'd be surprised if they lose less if they don't win ten games. I and would I, too. Well, but you just picked them to lose the last possible game <laughs> that they can. That means that gets them to six Subreddit. losses, and they win the next four. But that's that's fine. I think they can do that. Right. They have to win, the I, they have to win in Arizona, though. If they can't win in Minnesota, they, they're going to have trouble winning in Arizona. Yet it's possible they could be resting starters. It seems unlikely just because seedings and all that the way well, the are Well, I mean, if they're 13-3 and three and the Cardinals and the um, Panthers are, you know, 15-1 and one or something, it's, you know, it's – Certainly yeah, you, if they have the two seed, they have to definitely have the two seed, not the three seed, not the right. one seed. They have to be locked right. There in. is a window. It's certainly, it's certainly possible. It has to be Adrian Peterson's game, though, because that's your offense, and you're playing a team that hasn't allowed a 100-yard rusher all season, and the Vikings are the, have the second-fewest big plays through the air of any team in the league. So you're a run-based team, and you've got to win it that way, and I, I think they can do it. We'll I, see. I'm glad you brought that up. I know we should move on, but Adrian Peterson right now – we haven't talked about it that much, is playing unbelievable. His performance last week against the Falcons was as good a game as I've seen out of Adrian Peterson. I would say the same thing about, I think it was the Raiders game two or three weeks. He is, I feel like we're saying it almost every He week. is fun to watch. I don't know. I just didn't watch it till the middle of the week, and it was, he was just so impressive. I just It's like it's 2007. It's Adrian Peterson and Tom Brady are the two best players in the league. He might be the GOAT. I, if I had to go back and do my MVP list over again, I'd have him higher. Yeah. Uh, in terms of that game, we have, uh, yes, just Mark with the uh, hero pick on the Vikings. Moving on, Gotham, I'm going to call. This is a loser-goes-home match uh, between the New York Giants and the New York Jets. Uh, the Jets are 6-5, and five, the Giants 5-6. and six. We are not going to have the, the Darrell Revis-Odell uh, Beckham matchup, which is a bummer. Uh, Revis, this is obviously a pretty serious head injury he's dealing with. Uh, he did not practice again on Thursday. Todd Bowles all but ruled him out um, today, Thursday. So do not expect to see Revis on the field, which puts the Jets in a very tough spot against the most explosive wide receiver in football. Um, and Antonio Cromartie's skill set does not match up well with Odell Beckham. Uh, bust a screen, that would be a bad situation. They're going to have to do a lot of double teaming, and that could leave issues for, for uh, the rest of the defense. So... No Revis makes me very nervous about this game. As an acknowledged gangrene fan, Greg, your thoughts? Well, we predict headlines from the future every Friday on NFL Now, if you ever want to check that out. And uh, I already told you that the Jets are going to win this game. Oh, that's right. Yes. And not only that, something something strange is going to happen. You know, I think this is an emotional game here for the Giants. You don't want to lose to your tenants uh, at MetLife Whoa, Stadium. Whoa, slow down. That, no, no, no. You have that, the wrong, I know they're no wrong longer business tenants. arrangement. 
Uh, we're very sensitive about that. We were the tenants at Giants no Stadium. I know. But that's all bull and it's over. All right, man? That's Poor true. Sydney. I just uh, I think it would be a tough loss for Tom Coughlin in that organization, which is on thin ice right now, uh, you know, top to bottom to take. My I think favorite, the Jets are a better team. They my favorite thing about this rivalry, like which that. Todd Bowles called not a rivalry this week, is that it no longer involves Rex Ryan. <laughs> he circled it back to Rex. I like well, it. Well, no, because no one could make a bigger deal about this thing before it happened than Rex Ryan. And bottom line, you're that's the not Jets. necessarily bad. Why is that so bad that he he injected a little bit of juice into it? Because he doesn't follow through. Well, sometimes he does. This is a better team under Todd Bowles, and this is not a great Giants team, but they do have Odell Beckham, and I think that he alone could win this game for him. This game is missing juice, and I'm I'm okay with Rex being out of the picture for the Jets now, uh, but clearly his absence is felt this week. All it's been is just about 4,000 puff pieces about Odell Beckham. What else is new? <laughs> And, uh, you know, 74 Rivas concussion stories. That's been the, the, the gist of it. But this is such an important team for both. Te- Neither team is a Super Bowl team, let's face it, although we've said that about the Giants before and then things have happened. Uh, but there is a lot on the line in this game. How can anybody pick a winner in this game without a coin? Yeah, I totally agree with you. Yeah. Mm. They're both like pretty – they both define mediocrity and they change from week to week on whether they're good or bad. He, here's, here's why. The Jets at their best – their Jets' best is better than the Giants' best. Yeah, but the Jets aren't going to be at their best without Darrell Rivas. But that, they played well without right? him last I, week. I, will say I think so. I think the Jets have had three games at least this year that's better than any game the Giants have I don't know. The Giants-Patriots game and the way they yeah. went after that, that was impressive. It is, I that's, that's, again, why this is a coin flip game because the two teams uh, before Sunday night, of course, that played the Patriots better than anyone were the Jets and the Giants. And they are teams that are capable of doing good things, but they're also, like Wes said, they, they're right in the middle of the pack. Right. Total coin flip game. But I do like what I saw. The Jets had a little more uh, swagger this past week. They kind of looked like the team they were in early October. So I'm going to go with the Jets, uh, as did Connor Orr and Chris Wessling. I'll pa- probably change. Okay. And Patra and Sessler took the Giants. Tough spot for Connor Orr, by the way, who was famously picked against both New York teams, teams that he used to cover <laughs> on on a beat for the uh, Star Ledger. He's picked against them almost every week, and he had to pick one this time. He <laughs> the Jets. I want to add some juice. We're... I got to ask him about that. What Real that tough about? spot for oh, he keeps. He also uh, has picked against the Panthers seven straight weeks. That's not working <laughs> out for him uh, too well, but you wanted to add some juice, and so we're sending Connor Orr. Uh, a couple miles to this game. So that'll wow. add, that'll oh, right. That's good. He'll do a good job. Ooh, with that. I just thought of some repercussions to that, but we'll talk. Oh, about I'm watching the game, the but you know, you might not be writing about it. Yeah. I think we're putting Dan on Falcons bucks. If I remember, you can't, correctly. you're pulling me off jets giants beat. Well, this is a, this is, I got to pull rank on this. Come on. This is troubling. There's a Connor's lot of, at the game. There's yeah, a lot of, he could write some to, sidebars. Some there's nice a lot of compete, pieces. Yeah. We need two people covering this, uh, five and six <laughs> matchup. Uh, why does anybody have to be there? Somebody's got to cover Dolphins Ravens, Dan. He wanted to go. Great. We will take this up after. I, I didn't. It didn't occur to me until now. You know, I I plug your other podcast in this. Oh yeah, you tried. Rewarded. You were trying to take it this down. Thanks you. How was I trying to take it down? I was setting it up for a nice plug, and then I was trying to like build some heat around it. Ooh, why is it getting edited? Why is it disappearing? This sounds like a dangerous, sexy show. That's Pro- what I was trying to do. Professional Zeuser. I was being a pro. That's true. Do you disagree? You thought I was no that's, shots? Hey, when I think danger and sexy, I think you. <laughs> yeah, right back at you, buddy. <laughs> His brother's danger. Yeah, Kevin Danger hands us. Uh, let's move on. Uh, the Arizona Cardinals, the team of around the NFL. Team of 
travel to uh, St. Louis to face the team of Greg Rosenthal, the Rams. Uh, oh now four- I want another team. That's not fair. <laughs> now you get them for life. Uh, they are four and seven in a free fall. You know they are going to have to go five and two just to get to their seven and nine goal. That might so, take them three years to get five wins. <laughs> so they, uh, you know, they need to get Todd Gurley back going again. Uh, they need to somehow hide their quarterback, which is tough to do in the NFL. Uh, West has all the makings of another Cardinals victory to move them to ten and two. And I know you don't think there's any way that's happening. The Rams stink. They, they're they so bad they've managed to ruin one of the best players in the NFL and Todd Gurley. They have no offensive line, no quarterback. In fact, the only player doing anything on offense is Tavon Austin, who, frankly, is borderline Pro Bowl this year. He is. He's been good. He's making plays every week. What's he up to, 10 touchdowns or seven touchdowns and on pace for 1,000 yards? Yeah, seven uh, but touchdowns. But the Cardinals, come on, the Cardinals are p- phenomenal. Yeah, and I mean, if wherever the 10 touchdowns have come, it's not lately because that offense is averaging less than 13 points during a four-game losing streak. And Greg's team, coached by Jeff Fisher, (laughs) Jeff Fisher has not had a winning season since 2008 and not won a playoff game since 2003. This is the most Teflon coach in the league. This guy keeps a job no matter what he produces. Six. The most amazing Jeff Fisher stat is he has six winning seasons out of 21 as a head coach, <laughs> started in '94, out of eight and eight. Wow! But that's a, that's a crazy that's a crazy mark. Uh, when you said you know they've ruined one of the best players in the league, I thought you meant Robert Quinn because I you know I know he's been hurt, but their defense. I don't worry about their defense. Well, I do a little bit now. I mean, they're not the dominant group that we were hoping for, at least not the last few weeks. Who's this week? Well, you're on the field Eight. for 40 minutes a game now. Yeah, that's part of it. I think it's just caved in. Nick Foles, by the way, will start this game. They announced that. During the program. So there's some that uh, breaking news. Breaking during news. During our pro while we were taping. That fourth quarter interception that he threw back across the grain was one of the worst throws I've ever seen a quarterback attempt. We, it, should, we can move on because it's a bad game. But this is the, per- the worst spot for the Rams because the Cardinals almost lost last week. So I think they'll be on their guard. And they already lost to the Rams. And it's a division game. And I think they'll be ready to just they have them. They've they'll kept a lot of teams that they're way better than in games this year on the road against the Rams that get get up for a NFC West team, you know, a couple times a year. I wouldn't be shocked if this is a close game. I do wonder one quick thing about the Cardinals because last year what happened along with the quarterback injuries was the run game fell through the floor. And now Chris Johnson is out until what would be the Super Bowl. That could be a good thing. Yeah. Maybe yeah. so. He's not been playing well lately. But Ellington, is he out? Turf toe. Turf so day to day. I just wonder if without the running game being as diverse as it was, if they're going to be challenged to be that offense that we've seen. For I, I disagree with I, – I think losing Chris Johnson is a big loss in combination with Ellington not being healthy. That, I think, is, is a big problem. Because well, now you have David to, Johnson, yeah. who you didn't trust to be your main guy, now doing all three downs. Uh, I like it. I'm going to record as saying this is a big improvement. You're Chris not, Johnson was running as poorly as any back in the league over the last. Three he did weeks. seem finished, so we'll see. You're not going to believe it, but Connor Orr took <laughs> the Rams. The rest of he us. He is took just going for it. The card. He's going for something. Uh, moving on, another early game: the Atlanta Falcons at Tampa Bay Bucks. Oh, I don't want to do this game, Greg. Well, I don't want, well, I don't want to like be the one watching this game. Well, it's tricky because there's more at morning games. Yeah. Connor's only got one. I'm I, only. I'm on the couch. Can I make a prediction? What? Uh, Greg will try to convince us that this is a big game in the NFC. No, I, w- I was going to try to convince Dan. Any game right now with Jameis Winston and Doug Martin is watchable. I think Jameis Winston is one of the most watchable quarterbacks. Falcon, it's more the Falcons. Their uniforms yeah, no, aren't watchable, though. 
Damn it. I have no response for what that. What if you're nursing a hangover and you have to watch that red and, or orange and gray? That's not a good game. That is troubling. You know what's troubling, though, about Winston? And he had th- four or five plays against the Colts in the first half that were incredible. He has that thing where if he misses a throw, he misses by like 10 yards. That's something that it's hard to hard to fix. He got destroyed last week, too. The line fell apart in the second half. Connor Orr took the Falcons in this game. Uh, he's out of control. Kevin Patra, the league leader in picks, also took the Falcons. That is also the fan consensus. So people still believe the Falcons can get it together. Uh, the rest of us like the Bucks at home. Uh, moving on, the Jacksonville Jaguars are 4-7. and seven, uh, Another uh, dispiriting loss for them last week. Now they travel to Tennessee to face the Titans, the Titoons. Um, Mark Sessler, uh, your thoughts on this game. Is there any reason to think the Jaguars are ever going to hit find some level of consistency and uh, make a run of it in their division? Well, they don't seem like a team that's going to find consistency this year, but that's also very true of the Titans. So this one isn't for me, another coin flip I, I, with, with, with Bortles. I think it's been up and down. And when, when I look at Mariota, like we've talked about a lot, there's not a lot around him, but I feel like he needs to have a good month to finish this season because this team really, they started out with so much promise. And at this point, they're going to get the number one draft pick. That's I mean, there's just, there's a lot to, it is good, but there's a lot for this team to, to, to do still. And I, I I don't know. I think the the Jaguars are the team I'd rather have between the two roster wise. Has anything changed in the two weeks since these two teams played each other? No, no. Very other little. than finally they've taken the Jaguars off uh, in the hunt in the playoff picture. You know, <laughs> well they're the TV not right. graphics. They are no longer in the hunt. It used to be. It's going to be a four team uh, race, but these two teams just couldn't get it together. We also didn't. We're not getting banged in a, a primetime matchup. Uh, this time between the teams. One one fantasy uh, uh, note, uh, you know, over on the um, – between two legends, of course, the founders of Roto World, uh, the the guys that really invented the fantasy game in a lot of ways, at least in my eyes. Uh, you know, Mark's also in the room right now. Uh, I believe uh, Julius Thomas is going to be a difference maker in the fantasy playoffs coming up. Ten catches last week and 11 targets over 100 yards. I could see him, uh, you know, piling up some statistics down the stretch. Could be a a make a difference in some. Or is the best tight end in this game Delaney Walker? Delaney Walker's really good. A lot of hot takes. Uh, That's a good. That's a good tip though, Dan, because they they're they're gonna throw the ball forty times a game. They sure will. Uh, I like it, Dan, because Julius Thomas is the tight end version of Eddie Lacy. You've put out good tape for three years. You're a good player. You just have to play your way into football shape after an injury. We we thank you, Wes. That means a lot to me. You have no idea. (laughs) Um, We all took the Titans, which is surprising because the fan consensus on NFL.com has the Jaguars. Moving on, let's talk about some late games. Uh, the Kansas City Chiefs, uh, one of the hottest teams in football currently in position to qualify for the playoffs. A lot of people say that the Chiefs, uh, along with the Texans, should be seen as favorites to get a playoff spot in that in that big pack of six-win, five-win teams. Uh, they now travel to Oakland in a huge game for the Raiders. Uh, Greg Rosenthal, you can almost say, uh, this is it for the Raiders if they can't find a way to hold serve at home. Hold serve, you're a tennis fan. I thought you would like that. Uh, your thoughts on this game. Are the Raiders going to uh, get some momentum and take it through December, or are they going to fade away? I think they'll fade away, which is too bad. I, I was hoping they would get to the Thursday night game they're on in week 16 as still relevant because they are fun to watch, but they're playing one of the best teams in football. The Chiefs right now 
on Football Outsiders, they have a, a metric called weighted DVOA. That's basically just their regular who's the best team. But it's weighted towards the end of the season. It kind of gives up on the first month at, by this point. The number one team in the NFL right now, according just to their metrics, is the Kansas City Chiefs. <laughs> mm. Okay. Best team in the league. Tell their metrics to go to hell. I'm just – I don't think they're the best well, team in the silly. league. But I think they're one of them right now. I don't necessarily think it'll continue, but I, I, how can you argue with what they've done? No team that has Alex Smith as his quarterback is the best team in the NFL. I'm sorry. The, a part of it is because they're very steady. They have them as the fifth offense, the sixth defense, and the sixth special. Remember, um, so no weakness. You were you were doing fantasy when this happened. Remember the Sam Con, Sam Congato year? Yeah, sure. For the Packers, Spencer Ware reminds me a little bit of that. I'm not saying he's going to be a good player next year. But he's fun to watch. He just runs north and south, doesn't cut, doesn't really do anything, and seems like he gets six or seven yards every time. Not a medical student like Sam Congato. But it, the stars have aligned for what, the, for what mm. the Chiefs want to do on offense. He's a good fit. He reminds me of Sam, good old Sam Congato. Is it fluky? I mean, you look at their numbers since Jamal Charles went down and you've got Ware and, and West in there. They are so much better statistically post-Jamal Charles. I, and they're also not turning the ball over at all. That they helps. also, they also, their offensive line had a lot of questions early. I think it just whatever it was, their offense was not clicking, and it came took a little time to come together. Little, and I, I think they'll give the Raiders a ton of trouble. Uh, on I think the Chiefs will score a lot of points. Little uh, Bill Simmons Ewing theory is that what you're saying, uh, Mark? With uh, Jamal Charles, getting well, I think hurt? we mentioned that with Charles before, and it just I just it, I the whole team has come together, but they are they are a team that is not turning the ball over. And Alex Smith, I couldn't agree more. I, I, I don't want them in the playoffs selfishly based on that alone. But Alex Smith is a mistake-free quarterback, and that's what Andy Reid wants. There's three huge AFC games this week in terms of how the playoff race will look. The Bills game that we talked about with the Texans, the Colts-Steelers, and this one. Because if the Chiefs do lose this, it becomes more interesting. Because I think if they win it, they're just going to start steamrolling. I know if you if you work for NFL Network, you're not allowed to mention the name Justin Houston. He doesn't exist. He can <laughs> he can hold out forever or sign franchise tag, and it won't be ever a story. But he's one of the best defensive players in the NFL, and he's not playing. So that could be a big loss. That's a good point. Uh, we all took the Chiefs to win on the road. Hmm. Could be a kiss of death there. All right, it is uh, you know one of the best times of the week. Uh, we haven't had uh, this man in the studio for a couple of weeks, so it's almost like a a homecoming, a reunion of sorts. He is uh, the host of Around the NFL, the television show on NFL Network. He is the great Andrew Siciliano. Gentlemen, I'm flattered to be back. Thank you for allowing me back on your Around the NFL <laughs> podcast couch. After Michael Berger was here last week, I realized you only reach for the stars, and thankfully. <laughs> I'm appreciative you root. You reached for me. Well, it was. He did a great job. He, I'm it, sure he did. I mean, it was Thanksgiving week. You, you know, you start to get in the holiday spirit. You have Burger on the show. Well, it was also an attempt to get on NFL Network more. So you've got to, you got to cover all bases. <laughs> for those who don't know, Michael Berger, the producer of the Around the NFL Television. How would program. you, um, how would you? Uh, explain your relationship with Burger. Would you say it's a horrible relationship? A oh, strong no. relationship? Professional? We're very good friends, both both on and off the field. Very good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's mildly dramatic. He is. That's what makes Burger good, though. You know? <laughs> but then again, so am I. <laughs> yes. Um, all right. So Andrew is with us to talk football because Andrew knows his football. I always, uh, Debatable. I always, you know, um, I, I, I watch you on around the NFL and the way you're able to keep a show moving. You're pretty good at it. <laughs> 
You're pretty good at your job. Thank you, Dan. I feel like this is a setup. <laughs> no script or anything. You're just kind of not winging it. You know what's going to come up, but there's nothing written down, really. You're just going off the top of your head. Scripts are boring. Teleprompters are boring. Um, but you don't like having a Carr brother in there with you because it takes some of your spotlight. And oh, no, I like working with David Carr. And oh. by the way, the the whole no teleprompter thing, I, I am assisted by our great NFL Network research mm. staff. Today, Law Murray doing the honors on the ones and twos, usually Aubrey Cragen. Wow. Shout outs. <laughs> yeah, there you go. See, what a professional. I know the two of them listen to this show, so they're going to appreciate good. it. Uh, Law really does. Law, shout out to Law. Law's good really people. Does. All right, good, guys. All right, let's start talking <laughs> some football games, and we'll start. Uh, uh, we'll continue to dig through these uh, 4 p.m. games. The Denver Broncos coming off uh, one of the biggest wins in uh, recent uh, franchise history for them, a, a big win over the previously undefeated Patriots with Brock Osweiler. Now they head to San Diego to face a Chargers team uh, that finally got back in the win column this past Sunday, um, beating the Jaguars. They had lost six straight uh, before that. But, Andrew, and we'll start with you here, uh, the Broncos are, you know, I would assume even on the road they're favorites here. But the Chargers are a bad team, but not conventionally bad because they still have a Hall of Fame quarterback. This could be a game, right? You know, I think it is, and I, I know this sounds odd, and it sounded odd even with you setting it up there. Um, Thank you. No fault of your own. Oh. They do <laughs> score points. Uh, he he throws for 300 every week, it seems, he being Phillip. I, I don't know that they do that against this Denver offense or Denver defense, I'm sorry, but it is a road game. They had an emotional output the Broncos did last week, and they're feeling good about themselves. I do agree with you. It's closer than I think many people would would forecast, but I don't. I don't see San Diego winning this game unless it's a shootout. If the Broncos' defense has a bad day, which is possible, and Phillip puts up his yardage and maybe gets three touchdowns out of this, then it turns into a really interesting task or, or test for Brock Osweiler to see if he can hang with a team that could score, even with all their injuries, on the road. Wes? I'm picking the Chargers to win this game. and it's wow. not because, Interesting. It's, it's not because I think they're better. When you pick upsets, you, also, you often have to go with a gut feeling. This is a letdown type of game mm -hmm. for the Broncos, who were lucky, very lucky to get by a beat-up Patriots team. And their defense, which everyone out of habit calls the best in the league, has given up an average of 24 points over the past month, which is hardly elite. Hmm. Phillip Rivers got all of his weapons back last week except for Keenan Allen, and you saw what he did, four touchdowns, 300-something yards. I'm going to guess the Chargers are scoring 24 a game. What are they? Anybody? Anybody got that at their fingertips? I could look it up here? for you in a second. Um, it, what's the situation with Demarcus Ware? Because Twenty-two a game. Twenty-two. His, right. his absence has to surely be playing a role in Denver's uh, defense, kind of uh, becoming more uh, regular as opposed to when they were playing at a high level earlier in the season. I mean, he practiced this week, didn't he? He returned to practice. Looks like he'll play, which which is huge. And you're right; you would have expected that Broncos defense to really dominate the Patriots' offense. I know Tom Brady is the best quarterback in football right now, but they haven't been as special really over the last month. And maybe it, maybe it's just where, uh, and maybe it's just natural they couldn't keep that pace up because they were at a historic pace. This is a fascinating game to me because Brock Osweiler has improved dramatically each time he's been on the field. I count that first game against the Chiefs where he didn't really play very well. The next game he was just kind of there, and then I think he was a huge part of why they won a week ago. So is this Broncos team going to be dominant enough with Brock Osweiler that they just uh, trash lower-rated teams like the Chargers? I, and I think it's a great matchup for Osweiler and their offense because – 
They're running the ball almost twice as much in terms of yardage as before. San Diego's run defense is worse than Cleveland's. It's awful. Mm. And so this that is a even, good matchup for this team. Even, it's, it is possible. Oh, okay. It is possible. <laughs> but, I mean, they're an under-center team now. They're not a shotgun team. They run the ball, and Osweiler seems to be what they want. And so I like the matchup. Andrew, final word to you. The one thing I would say is this. Despite, uh, you know, we, we kind of wanted to uh, – cut down the Broncos' defense to size a bit. They still did get to Tom Brady 13 times, hit him 13 times last week. Even I, I realize the, the Patriots have a very banged-up offensive line, but you want to see another banged-up offensive line? Look at the Chargers, where they introduce themselves to each other every week and um, exchange <laughs> phone numbers because they've never met before before they go out there and play. Uh, this game, uh, Bol- Wes, you thought you might get a hero pick out of this. Connor or. The renegade around. There's the no such thing as a hero pick anymore because the renegade always picks the under. What's a hero pick? Just I'm the only one yes. doing it. Okay. Yes. Yep. Um, so uh, both of uh, you gentlemen pick the Chargers. The rest pick the Broncos. Uh, moving on. Okay, we just talked about the Patriots. They will play a 4:25 game against the Philadelphia Eagles, and I think. You know, this game's kind of a bummer because back in September, this you would have looked at this game and been like, ooh, this this one could be saucy back when there was a lot of hope in the building in Philadelphia. But now the Eagles seem to be going down in flames, and I'm sure, you know, those Chip Kelly uh, haters out there enjoying it. I don't know, you know who those people are, but the genius might be getting his come up, comeuppance. And I'll say this, uh, Greg Rosenthal, my fantasy team uh, has Tom Brady on it, and NFL.com is projecting that he scores 43 points this week, what? which is absurd. I don't know how where these figures are coming from, but they're predicting a big game for Brady. I don't think it'll be that big, but I think the Patriots are rolling here. Well, right? you better pick up Scott Chandler and Brandon LaFell. Then, that's what I mean. Come on, that's, NFL. That's who he's throwing it to. Com. And I know this Eagles defense has struggled the last couple weeks. They did get the long rest after Thanksgiving. Chip Kelly talking about kind of going back into into the lab and trying to simplify things and correct. I I don't it, as a Patriots fan, I was very excited to see this matchup because they're they're hurting right now uh, on both sides of the ball and to get a team that's struggling like the Eagles. I still don't discount the Eagles though from putting up a good performance. Why not? 90 points, I'll tell you why. They've given up 90 points the last 2 weeks to the Bucks and the Lions. It's a good reason. And Brady's coming off what I think you could argue is his defining game of the year, even though they lost the game to me that made the best case for him as the MVP this year to be out there against that Broncos team and move the ball as well as he did with really nothing around them. You, I at least thought like, what other quarterback are you going to put in that situation? That's going to come up with that good of a result. I don't think, I don't think there is one. I, I don't that's think why he's the MVP. Too. Not when you consider they've allowed 10 touchdown passes to Jameis Winston and Matthew Stafford combined the last two weeks, and they don't know who's going to start at quarterback. Let's pretend for a second it's Sam Bradford. I haven't seen anything before he got hurt from Sam Bradford that tells me he's, he's going to be much of a challenge here for Bill Belichick. Um, I, I think this game could get ugly. I think that's the easy answer, but uh, you know, I, few things are more um, – dangerous or a few things I would rather face a lot of things than a Tom Brady when he's angry right Uh, angry and also how about yeah historically what happens when a a middling team goes into Foxborough in December this is when the Patriots beat up or not uh, take care of business in their building I would be very surprised if this was a close game. well this game reminds me of it's another opportunity to see how far Chip Kelly's star has fallen because in 2012 remember it was the Patriots that had Chip Kelly come in and teach him their offense, and they went out and proceeded as one of their many offenses they ran that year to run a billion plays against the Denver Broncos and beat them. 
And now the Patriots with Josh McDaniels have evolved and moved on from that as their only base attack, mm. where Chip Kelly is not. And so I see a game where New England smacks this team, and it's another reminder that Chip Kelly's offense is not what we thought it was a couple of years ago. Greg, you worried about LeGarrette Blunt at all? I'm worried, no, because he's a limited player. I don't expect. I think he's a fine player, but he's a function of the offensive line, and they can't rely on him too much. I'm more worried about the other guys, Brandon Bold and James White, getting them into the mix. I think we know what LeGarrette Blunt is. We have the Patriots across the board in that mm. game, gentlemen. Could get Jamie Collins, Dante Hightower, and Danny Mondola back. It's possible. And maybe find out what, what it was that filled Jamie Collins. Ooh, the big secret. That would be weird. Yeah. Uh, moving on, let's talk a little undefeated action here. The Carolina Panthers are 11-0 and as we enter uh, December, and now they get uh, the New Orleans Saints. Uh, you know, once upon a time, going into the Superdome was a, quite a task against Drew Brees and uh, Sean Payton, maybe it is not quite that way anymore. Andrew Siciliano, the Panthers take care of business all season, as the record indicates. What tells us that it's not going to happen again here? Trap game. Ooh. I, I think they're going to win. Oh. But I, I also I also think that after Sean Payton and Drew Brees were embarrassed, I think, last week, I think that's fair to say, on the road in Houston, I think they get or they give one of their better efforts of the year. I don't know what they have left. But I do think that whatever it is, we see it this week against a division foe, against a team that won the division with such a poor record as mm. it did a year ago. Um, I so think you're cool if we tweet out Andrew Siciliano colon Panthers are fraudulent, ready to lose. Never said that. Okay. <laughs> they're, but they're, that's how you we'll, know. We'll I, I will say this: I had a conversation with Thomas Davis, cross promotion here on the around the NFL well TV played. show this week. Well played. And he said all the right things, but I asked him point blank. I said, "What was your reaction? What was it like sitting on the couch Sunday night watching the Patriots lose?" And he said it was quote bittersweet because, in his words, he wanted to have two undefeated teams in the Super Bowl. That would have been a fantastic matchup. And I said it still could be a fantastic matchup. Yeah, I guess you're right. Because you guys can both still get there. But um, he I give him credit. He is the one guy in that locker room that is willing to talk big picture. Where everyone else, we're not talking about the record. We are week to week. We are game to game. We are riding the cliches. We are just like our <laughs> coach. He is willing to admit that he is human and they are thinking big picture. Hmm. Don't we? It seems like every week we come up with a trap game or some other reason to think the Panthers could possibly lose to a team that is much, much weaker than they are. And last week we tried this with the Cowboys, and it was – That did not go the well. Panthers They're going to sma- win. Panthers smacked them down. I, the Saints got beaten around by a Texans defense that I believe is the best in the NFL right now. The Panthers are right behind them, though. Hmm. I think the Panthers are the number two defense in the NFL, and they have stars at every position. I just don't see the Saints getting back on track this week. I'm with you. I mean, the, the Panthers haven't turned the ball over in three games, and the Saints, their offense is falling apart, and they're 0-6 when they score less than 25 <laughs> points. That's how bad this defense is. Their defense is historically and comically bad. And we can't even blame Rob Ryan anymore. And we try to come up with a reason to believe that the Saints are halfway decent every week. This is a team that's lost in consecutive weeks to the Titans, to the Redskins by more than 30 points, and weren't remotely competitive in Houston. Right now, they can't protect. I didn't think Drew Brees could do a lot last week. I mean, they can't go deep. They could not protect him up the middle at all against Houston. It wasn't just J.J. Watt. And now you got Kwan Short. You got Lotelele. You got 
that that rush, I mean, I think they'll get after him. Did Charles Johnson coming back? That would be big. Did anyone hear the J.J. Watt wired where he, he said, yes. will you please, please help Drew Brees? I like him. I don't want to hit him this much. Well, at one point he was waving at the huddle, the Saints huddle, saying, I'm coming to get you, and on the next play, got right in the backfield and dropped a hammer. Well, you mentioned, Wes, the play where they they bring over Teron Armstead, who's a Pro Bowl-level left tackle, put him next to your right tackle, so you have your two tackles matched up next to each other just to try to stop J.J. Watt, and it didn't work. I have never seen a team move their left tackle next to their right tackle to stop a pass rusher, have you? I've never seen that, and I I, did, I wasn't even aware they did that. They did they, that? And Watts, wow. And Watts split them for a sec. That's <laughs> unbelievable. <laughs> Not a trap game. By the way, you, Panthers, uh, you're, they're going to win this game, right? No. Yes. Connor Orr, the renegade, says <laughs> the Saints knock off the undefeated <laughs> Is he Panthers. just a professional he contrarian? Well, well, he's in last place. He would oh. He would be. Well, actually, no, Greg is the professional contrarian of around the NFL. Connor is just, he's a bad boy. He's a wild card. I'm not a professional contrarian. I would never pick against the Panthers. <laughs> so you're Pan- being a contrarian about that? You're Pan- <laughs> seven straight weeks. You just disagreed with being a contrarian. <laughs> you're an unprofessional contrarian. All right, you've got me. <laughs> oh. You've caught me. Uh, all right, so, man, Connor, who's in last place in the picks, he's got to make a move. I guess this could be seen as a desperate act. Make your move. <laughs> he's uh, been doing desperate hex since week one. I know. He's an interesting character. We love him. <laughs> or Are You Kidding Me was a huge hit. Got a lot of good or feedback you kidding me. on uh, – uh, Twitter uh, this week. Okay, before Andrew goes, uh, I do want to touch base with uh, a tweet uh, Andrew sent out um, <laughs> on December 1st, which would I guess would be Tuesday. Okay. Uh, I'm, I'm fearful of this. What is uh, this? Sydney, can I just have a little... Hello. Uh, <laughs> damn you, <laughs> at Adele. He made sure he put at Adele to make, maybe she'll reply. Right. I cannot get that song out of my head. And I assume it's this song. Yes, it is. <laughs> All right. I started singing along. Get this song out of my head. And let me explain why. When I was home for Thanksgiving, my three-year-old niece loves this song. And if I were to post the video of my three-year-old niece singing and dancing to the song, it would go viral and she'd be on Good Morning America. Mm. All right? <laughs> it, it's, she's three years old and she's doing this interpretive dance around the house. And, you know, three-year-olds, you guys... You have kids, right? You have yeah, kids? Yes, like, yeah. They, they speak, but not that much, right? I mean, they, they speak what they want to speak, and sometimes it's gibberish. She knows the lyrics, and she's three. And she has no idea what they mean. The Adele thing, too. <laughs> like, right. I love it. I love it. The Adele thing, too, is funny because all her songs are about heartbreak right. and sadness and breakups, and there's like a three-year-old singing the song, belting right. it out. Right, and she—it's awesome. And then she's just dancing, and and it's—it's it's almost like she gets into trance. Anybody could take out their phone and pull up music and play the song, and she'll freeze, and all of a sudden, start dancing and singing. And so when I was home for Thanksgiving, I heard it about three or four times, and then my brother gave it to me on video. I showed it to my grandmother, who couldn't be there, and then she laughed, and then it got passed around, and so now I cannot. This is a, a bit of a deft move here by Andrew, though, because he's saying, oh, it's about my my it is. and No, but you also like the song and probably in, a, in the car with the windows up, you might be belting it out thinking about somebody that got away. Yes or no? <laughs> <laughs> that's what Adele was. That's what she's she owns Absolutely. She's on that corner. Yes. She yeah. owns it. I, yeah. How could you I, not think of an ex when you hear these songs? I admit that. Yeah. Yeah. It's okay. And, that, and yeah. that is the – there's no one specific necessarily, but that is the sign of a true artist. Right? She owns that corner. Who who owns that corner. Right. And, and takes you there. 
Right. It's like that old adage, now I know what all those lyrics are about. Right? Well, I mean, she, every <laughs> one of her songs is like that. And how many times has this woman had her heart broken? I don't know. She like, how many times did like, she milk having her heart broken? What is she, like 27 years old? I think it's the same guy, too, that she's singing about, which makes – That song. guy must be – Well, you got to be thankful for that relationship. And yeah. Taylor Swift as well. Well, those are all different guys. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, Wes, good job. Look at you plugging in pop culture. I know Taylor Smith. <laughs> all right, Andrew Siciliano, <laughs> he is the host. <laughs> of the Around the NFL television program oh. uh, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Friday at 3 p.m. Eastern on Thursday. It's a three-hour six, show. 6 p.m. Eastern. 6 p.m. Eastern. Okay. Sorry about that. Uh, a three-hour show uh, beginning at 2 p.m. Eastern on Thursdays uh, ahead of Thursday Night Football. Andrew, get in that car, crank some Adele, and connect with a pest. That sounds like a, a video that I could take and then maybe tweet out. There you go. <laughs> Thanks, Andrew. Good night, guys. Yeah, that Adele song, um, guys, uh, it did. It does get me thinking about uh, the announcement that was made at halftime of the Thursday night football game that uh, the band Coldplay will be uh, one of the halftime acts for Super Bowl Fifty. Uh, your thoughts on that, Greg? Wow, you're coming to me. Well, he Coldplay to me, it's hard to get too excited about. Feel like they're like the Andy Dalton. They're they're like the Dalton scale of Dalton fans. came out today and said he he's a big Coldplay fan. That's right. Which makes That's a lot of probably sense. why it was in my head. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm not gonna hate. I'm not gonna hate Coldplay. I think but, Coldplay uh, gets beat up on a little more than they should. Like I, this could have been Train uh, playing. No, this it could been, not. Could have been Maroon that. Five. Hipsters like, like hipsters have, like to have a lot of hot takes on Coldplay. Could have been like, One Direction. Me, they do not. They do not engender any kind of hot take one way or another. But they don't. What do they, what do they engender? They they have nice little elevator music. Like it's not offensive. Well, that, exactly though. So why is why is everybody hating? They're agreeable. If it's not offensive? But it because if something's that popular, just for being milk toast, just for being like boring, those are the types of movies you don't like, but, Wes. Right? But that's, that's also I would not equate Coldplay to a bad movie. That's also a criticism that I. That's where I think they get a little too much, too many shots. I think they, if you listen to their early work and their later work, they have, uh, uh, they have evolved as a band. I think they're a little unfair. And and we've brought up. You love Coldplay. Uh, I do. I like Coldplay. My wife loves Coldplay. She would leave me for Chris Martin. Um, uh, Sydney, can you? Oh, he's available. Can you help me out? Um, <laughs> it did with the Adele and the breakup music. I just wanted to share a quick Coldplay story from uh, mid twenties, Dan. Uh, a sad period of my life. Um, where this song, I love this song. This song, uh, we went to a Coldplay concert on the Jersey Shore, me and like a bunch of our, my friends, and uh, bunch of bros, bunch of bros. Now there, there were some women there too. It wasn't like Wes's uh, trip out uh, down to the casino or whatever that was. <laughs> that was a bunch of. Well, you don't have guy trips? No, we do, we do. Anyway, so this was at the Jersey Shore. We went to see them at one of those outdoor pavilions, and. Um, I had recently been through a breakup with my college girlfriend. Kirby? Uh, no, no, no. This is a different <laughs> woman. And uh, in the breakup, I had not Kara? gotten over. O- uh, Wes, can I tell the story? It wasn't Kara either. <laughs> uh, I had not gotten over the relationship. My good friend Bob, uh, who's a friend of the show, uh, had also been part of a breakup. And we ended up sitting next to each other at the show. We got separated. And uh, this song came on. And uh, both Bob and I kind of just like... Watch the song, watch the stage, and both had like a moment where we didn't say anything to each other, but we were both knew we were profoundly sad at the same time about our personal lives. And Coldplay brought that out, so a little credit to Coldplay. I can for appreciate that. That's that. something you should you should get credit for. That sounds uh, horrible. 
Why? It was sad. It's, but it's a human moment. Yeah, it was human. That's what I'm saying. That's all. I, like, I always like the, when I hear that song, I think of being sad at, at the at Homedale, New Jersey's outdoor theater uh, with that song on, thinking of my college girlfriend. I just like that I'm going to be in the same stadium as Apple Paltrow. <laughs> I don't think you. <laughs> Why would she be there? Is his child not going to be? Probably Paltrow is probably not the last name of the child. Well, that's either. the unfortunate thing about uh, you know breakups. They, the, the, the dynamic is a little different. I don't know if the kid's going to be there. I would bring Apple to the Super Bowl. How many times is this going to happen for Coldplay? Probably, this will probably be the only time. So there's my Coldplay story. Could have been it seriously. Could have been Maroon Five, and then we would have had a real. Issue. I thought I just figured number fifty that it somehow would be more exciting. I don't know. There are more acts to come. I will say what people. This this was earlier in the day. It broke that. Coldplay was the halftime act of Super Bowl 50. This will be a different type of show where there's going to be uh, other big-time acts associated, so it's not going to be only Coldplay. Coldplay gets some hate because of how they came into the scene at a time when White Stripes and Radiohead were kind of dominating, and then it was like Coldplay was like the radio repla- Radiohead replacement, and they're going to suffer by comparison, and, I, and everyone's going to like, that, that's a that's cheap, cheap knockoff. Radiohead, and then they, their sound got a little more grandiose, and they got labels as kind of a U2 knockoff. They never really established their own. They were also they, they came of age with Travis, Mark, one of our they favorite <laughs> uh, UK bands, and they were originally, Travis was seen as a, a, a band that Coldplay emulated. I'm hearing a uh, rumor that 10,000 Maniacs may be the past hit. <laughs> Ooh, really? Yeah. What about Emily Lou Harris? No, future. she did not. That, She's not there, available. Not a groundswell amount see, of support for that beyond West. Lucinda Williams. I would love to that see That would Lucinda be a great Williams. one. But, Greg, you're concerned about whether Coldplay is good at music or not, and that has no bearing on the Super Bowl halftime show, which is all about performance, not about music. Mm. Mm. Well put. <laughs> Chris Wesley knocks another one out of the park. Uh, let's move on and talk a little primetime football, Sunday night football, the Indianapolis Colts and Matt Hasselbeck, who is, of course, 4-0 now, a starter with Andrew Luck, sidelined, head to Pittsburgh to face the Steelers. Nice little matchup here. The Colts have uh, won three in a row now. They're over 500, tied for first in the AFC South, uh, and they will face the Steelers team that is also 6-5 and five and looking to – uh, you know, really establish itself as a, a favorite to get a wild card spot. Love this matchup. Uh, Mark Sessler, uh, who do you think is a favorite? Is it Pittsburgh Steelers a clear favorite in this game, or can you discount the 40-year-old Hasselbeck? I would much rather hitch my wagon to Pittsburgh for the rest of the season because I, despite Le'Veon Bell being out of the lineup, when they are hot, this, these two teams played the, one of the best games of the year last season, and the Pittsburgh air attack can be that same kind of offense, and that's the kind of team you want to get into the playoffs with, where, honestly, it's disturbing to watch Matt Hasselback be the guy that finally gets some of the receivers going. Mm. And he's going to be out of the lineup at some point anyways. I, would, I just think the Steelers are one of these teams with Ben Roethlisberger, if he's healthy, that has a ceiling we don't know. Wes, do you think it's fair to say that the Steelers – aren't getting enough credit for how well they've moved on from Le'Veon Bell, who's such an important player, uh, arguably the best running back in football when healthy? Yeah, I think that's fair. First of all, as Greg pointed out in this week's quarterback index, the offensive line hasn't missed a beat with with losing Marcus Pouncey and uh, their left tackle. They haven't missed a beat. They've been great. And D'Angelo Williams has the exact same stats as Le'Veon Bell with two two more carries this Hmm. year. Same yards per carry. And Ben Roethlisberger, I mean, this this offense is too much firepower for the for the Colts. Hasselbeck can't. He's a game manager. He's not going to keep up with Big Ben in this game. D'Angelo Williams is one of the best running backs in the league. I mean, one of the best seven or eight. 
this year. He looks as good as he ever has. I, I've really been impressed. He breaks tackles. He's wildly patient. Just wait. It's very similar to Bell waiting. Wildly patient. I mean, he's just. <laughs> it's insane. Sometimes he's just standing there, and you're and you're thinking like, you gotta go, man. But that's how good the offensive line is, and that's how you are watching Be- I, Le'Veon Bell too. Just like go, and then he does, and mm. it all works out. I think Wes hit the nail on the head there because I think the Steelers are gonna st- score points in this game. There's no way they they don't. And the Colts are winning these games. You know, they're like 20 to 14 type wins. Uh, they are not going to be able to win a game when the other team's scoring close to 30 points. I think this is going to be a game where the Steelers are going to cruise potentially. I think this is yeah. the game of the week. I do think it'll be competitive. Really? Game of the week. I, it's the game I'm most excited to watch. Once again, uh, whatever NBC paid for Sunday Night Football, I mean, they just got to they just gotta send, ang- you know, like, trash talking emails to ESPN every once in a while, like with this lousy Monday night slate and NBC. They're doing okay with games. NBC. That's true. That's true. The next, the next few weeks are ugly on ESPN. I'm just saying they get great games every week. I do think the Colts have shown a little something They're they're very feisty. Hasselbeck played a terrific game last week. Yes, he did. And he's so calm in the pocket. Like he's directing traffic in the middle of the I play. He's, just, he's having fun. He's like, this is the end for <laughs> he's me. He's just having fun out there. He's <laughs> but a he is. He, like, is. He, he looks very – again, I'll say again, I really think Andrew Luck can learn, has learned just probably from watching how he's operated. Kind of like D'Angelo Williams. There was one play last week where Hasselbeck's back there in the pocket pointing around, and I'm thinking, like, what other quarterback really does that in the middle of a play, that he's that calm he's, in the moment that he the, can just do the, that? The guy on the other side of the field does it. Ben Roethlisberger does that, and yeah. I'm not saying he's the best quarterback in the league, but I know there are times when you watch for quarterback index that you have to sit there and watch Big Ben and say, who's better than this guy? I think per I think he has more big good plays than any quarterback in the league this year. I think if he had played every game, he'd be in the MVP his, mix. His performance against the Seahawks last week, you look at the box score and it's two interceptions. The one, Richard Sherman got away with pass interference, and the second one, Big Ben tried to hold his throw and it just escaped his hand, but he, it was almost a flawless he performance. He got 50 yards ripped away on the stupid catch rule with Wheaton. Uh, he, every, he's Nobody bombs the ball. Like, he reminds me almost like I never saw him play, obviously, but when you watch Joe Namath highlights, like every you know, he drops back and just unleashes these shots, you know, and, and that's what Ben Roethlisberger has become, this they're, guy that just goes downfield all the time. They're almost a mirror image of the Cardinals, except the Cardinals have a much better secondary. Uh, we all took the Steelers to win this game and move to seven and five. Uh, they they certainly feel like a heavy favorite to uh, take that wild card spot. We'll see if they take care of business, which takes us to Monday night. Who get? Um, listen, they get an NFC East game, which uh, on paper probably looked pretty pretty decent in the summer. Well, you got an NFC East leading Redskins team. The bad news is that they're five and six. They're facing the Cowboys, who are uh, D E D dead uh, with Matt Castle at quarterback. Uh, Tony Romo refractured his clavicle, of course, on Thanksgiving. So the Cowboys are out of the mix at three and eight. The Redskins got to take care of business here. Uh, Wes, you are uh, the leading Redskins supporter in this room. Uh, If you do not take care of business against the Cowboys, I cannot take you seriously. Any concerns that they could be flat in this game? No concerns at all. And from now on, they go by the name the Loathsome Cowboys. Once again, they do something incredibly loathsome. They're not putting Tony Romo on IR because they need him back for the playoffs. Give me a break. Why is that loathsome? Because everything that. out of Stupid that, maybe, everything but. out of that city is delusional. <laughs> okay, it's just absolutely delusional. Rainbows and ponies. Give me a break. How about the speaking of delusional? I have a tweet pulled up here. The Greg Hardy winter coat giveaway coming up on December nineteenth. 
at Walmart in the uh, greater Dallas area. I think that's not Greg, buying it. Greg, Greg Hardy's camp winter coat giveaway. Oh, is he not there? <laughs> no. Redskins are one of these teams that are are so much better at home. And Kirk Cousins, what last five games, only two picks. I know that he goes back and forth, and so does so do the Redskins. But, but I'd be su- one at home. I'd be surprised if they don't win this pretty easily. Well, they haven't played any good teams at home, and they've played a lot of good teams on the road. Which they is, played well, the Rams they, at home when you were calling them the best team in the NFL hey, in 30 but, years. But Here's another team that's <laughs> not good that they're about to say play. that. <laughs> Clearly not. Did you call the Rams the best team in the NFL? You had I, the Rams as like a surefire playoff team when they beat them. Wow. We are, none of us had the Bengals in the playoffs. None of us had a lot of things. Say, when they we've, beat the Rams, you thought for, the Rams were a really good team. We forked three different teams that are literally in the playoffs now with five weeks left in the season. You know, predictions go wrong. I had the Vikings in the playoffs. There we go. I'm not here the home win. Here the, as much as saying the Rams were good when they beat them. Here are the home wins for Washington this season. Uh, Buccaneers, good Saints, Bad team. Giants. Okay, Who's team. a good team? I think the Bucks are an interesting team. They weren't, in, they weren't that early in the year, though. The Saints and the Giants. I mean, they're not terrible teams. I don't know. It's All those teams are better than the Cowboys. I agree with that at this point. Cowboys are done. God take care of business, Wes. Be a rough Sunday night for you. And again, <laughs> I don't think Monday the Redskins are Tuesday good. Show. I don't think the Redskins are good. The rest of that division stinks, and they've been the best team all along. Right. I mean, they, they're not remotely competitive when they play good teams. Cousins isn't really that up and down at this point, which is which is good for that team. He like the team is up and down, but he's just kind of a function of everyone around him. Mm. Uh, yes. Yeah, so we all took the Redskins in that game. A lot of these across the board, which historically we get whacked on. So something could happen. I still cannot believe we all took the Browns to win on the road. That's outrageous. All right. That's it for another week of uh, uh, prognostication and previewing and mirth and uh, Coldplay talk. On the Around the NFL <laughs> podcast, uh, we'll be back, of course, on Sunday night with our flagship show, which you can uh, check out on YouTube and NFL Now. And speaking of NFL Now, we we we're up in the studio all week. Uh, we're always recording content up here, uh, putting that up on uh, on the video on YouTube. So we have that that playlist, which you can get the Around the NFL playlist. If you go to our Twitter page, the link is right there. If you want to check out some of the stuff we're doing on the video, like the shirts that Mark wears, uh, Wes is wearing a nice uh, form-fitting Henley long-sleeve uh, T-shirt today with a Holy Cow Barbecue, a local barbecue joint hat. Uh, very fetching. Uh, so we will be back on Sunday night, so make sure you tune in. Thank you for everyone. Thank you to everyone for listening. Thank you to Andrew Siciliano. That's it. This is Dan Hansa signing off for Quiet Storm, the mailman, the boss, La Cive. Behind the glass. Till Sunday. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower, 
37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. What do the most successful growing businesses have in common? They're working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. Hey, everyone. This is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third-row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 